This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm hoping the Big Ten has to modify their system for us. <laughs> Probably like getting grade 10 sandpaper rubbed on your face every day. I mean, we say it all the time, whether, you know, there's two types of turds, you're a sinker or you're a floater, but you're still a turd, right? I mean, um, we're, we're, we are about players and players playing the plays and not necessarily the plays. Welcome to the Varsity Club Podcast. My name is Derek Peterson. I'm very excited this week to be joined by Hill Varsity's newest full-time staff writer covering the Oscars, Drake Keeler. Drake, hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm all right, man. I'm happy to have you on. First of all, congrats on the gig. Thank you. Appreciate it. So I wanted to have you on to talk just Nebraska football in general, what you're looking forward to this season. Uh, we're going to put Nick Saban on blast in a little bit. Before we get to any of like the football stuff, though, I just like introduce yourself to the audience. Introduce yourself to the the. the, the I, it's probably small. It's probably a small group of Hale Varsity fans that are, that listen to this podcast every week. But just introduce yourself to them. Who are yeah. you? Give them a backstory. What you're most looking forward to with this job? Yeah. Well, yeah, I've been around for a little while, kind of around Nebraska, at least. Um, I'm a recent graduate at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Um, I worked at the Daily Nebraskan for my first three years um, as a sports reporter, then sports editor. Um, also started a diversity inclusion board during that time. And then this last year, my senior year of college, I was an intern at Hill Varsity, um, writing on football and other sports. Um, and now they've picked me up full time. So I'm happy to be here and be sticking around Lincoln. Yeah, happy to have you. Congrats. Before we continue, I want to take a second and thank the sponsor, FSC Edge. I ask questions for a living. The best Q&A sessions that I've ever been in have been ones where I felt like the person on the other side of the tape recorder was invested in me just as much as I was invested in them. Talk to folks who've worked with FSC Edge, who have gone to the offices, who have met with, and they will all tell you the same thing you'll get the same kind of treatment. FSC Edge integrates AI technologies, case management tools, and augmented operators to optimally process patent documents quickly and accurately. They work with some of the largest patent offices around the world to manage thousands of patent applications and granted patents. We're talking about a place that deals on a massive scale, protecting inventors and advancing innovation, but does so in a way that makes every client who walks in the door feel important and heard. FSC Edge is always looking for new members to come on board and join their team. You'll be doing impactful work and learning about patents in a welcoming, easygoing environment. Check out available jobs today by going to jobs at fsc.com. You've been on the podcast a couple times, but I don't remember how long ago it was. Um, I'm pretty sure we talked about the the DEI stuff that you had going when you were at, at the Daily Nebraskan. I'm pretty sure that was yeah. one of the things that we had you yeah. on. That nice. was impressive. That was Thank impressive. You. I just, I just have to say, um, because like you get, you know, like my student journalism experience in college was just like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to like do something that's going to have people talking about me. I just want to, just want to write stuff. 
and you were like nope we've got it we've got an opportunity to do something here so good job right thank you so nebraska in 2022 you're coming in at an excellent time it's uh it's potentially the last year of a coaching staff and then you're gonna have to deal with a coaching staff change um or it's the start of something cool in that nebraska kind of flips this around and and gets rolling again, I guess. What, what are some of the things that you're most looking forward to this upcoming season with, with Nebraska football? I mean, kind of just, you know, everything. Um, it, there's, there's a lot of new stuff going on um, between all the new offensive assistants, a new quarterback, which I haven't, since I've been in Nebraska, I have, I've only seen Adrian Martinez. Um, so, and even the defense lost a good amount of guys. So while they're probably going to be good, um, it's it's going to be different. Um, so I think it feels like it's an uphill battle for this to work. But you know, there's there's the road is there, the chance and chance is there, and I'm very interested to see how it plays out. So DraftKings has preseason win totals out, and I've had them out for 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 quite a bit. So I don't know if this if this is what it opened with, or if this is the current line. But Nebraska's win total is at seven and a half. Mm-hmm. You can get plus one hundred value taking the under. You're minus 120 taking the over. I'm gonna put you on the spot right now. At, at seven and a half, you going over, you going under? Under. I, I feel a lot under. More, yeah, I feel a lot more comfortable with the under. And that doesn't mean that isn't even that bad because like six or seven wins feels yeah. achievable. Um and like I I think they can do that, but I don't know. It, it feels like it's gonna take a lot. For me, I, it's hard to be convinced about over on seven and a half. That's fair. Yeah, I think I think seven and a half is a good number. Mm-hmm. When I saw it at first, because because you're exactly right, you can get you can get play at seven and get the under, because it, it kind of feels like seven to eight ranges is, is where they're gonna fall. Mm-hmm. And like eight sounds absurd as I say it, as I'm just thinking about all of the Nebraska football teams that I experienced. Eight sounds absurd, but there's a there's 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 a, a fair amount of talent there, um, right. specifically on the offensive side of the ball, which I'll be curious to see kind of what your take is on on Mark Whipple and in this new quarterback because I saw a big game Boomer this week had his top fifty offenses entering the twenty two season. Old Dominion was in the top fifty. Nebraska. Nebraska was not in the top fifty, and. I just kind of thought about it and I was like, you know what? Nebraska was 18th last year in success rate, I believe. Mm-hmm. Nebraska was a top 25 offense in terms of moving the ball. They we're not a top 25 offense in terms of finishing possessions and scoring right. the football, but they were a top 25 offense in terms of moving the ball. And it'll be very interesting to see this season as we get Kansas State, Adrian Martinez how how well he can perform in the Big 12, how well he can perform against defenses that are pretty good, not Big 10 caliber, but pretty good. And because I think we're going to get a ton of this was either Adrian Martinez's fault or this is Scott Frost's fault and I'm yeah. I'm not looking forward to that. That is one of the things I'm not looking forward to this season is the constant like okay, what did Adrian Martinez do this weekend versus what did Nebraska do this weekend? So who's who's more to blame? for what happened prior and we're going to base it off of each week's performance. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's not even like a discourse worth having because there's just like so much different for both of them that it is. If, if Scott Frost is has a good year, you know he's had a lot change, and that doesn't necessarily make it Adrian's fault. You know, maybe like I, I think you could. Let's say Nebraska does well this season. I don't think I'd feel comfortable saying they wouldn't do that well with that with Adrian Martinez still here, right? Because um, there's just like so much more to to it than that. I'm looking at HailVarsity.com, and I see the ten most intriguing Husker series is rolling. Yeah, the most recent one was published Thursday. We're recording this on Thursday uh, by Brandon Vogel, Teddy Prohoshka, and Turner Corcoran. You get a, a two for one at number four. Mm. If you were writing this list, you don't have to. You don't have to rank. You don't have to give me ten names. Who are who are a, a few names that you would have on your list of of most intriguing? They don't have to be ranked. They don't have to be in any kind of order. But who were a couple names that just immediately jumped to mind? Yeah, um, I think I, I would put a probably a couple of linemen in there just because that is the group where I think people are really curious about, maybe most skeptical about um, on the offense, because that's where they really need improvement. And, you know, um, the offensive line coach hire probably was one people were like less confident in uh, relative to the others. Um, And that doesn't mean he won't do well, but I I think those are really intriguing positions. Other than that, maybe um, some running backs like, you know, Ramir Johnson or Anthony Grant, you know, see if, see if, the running back position can finally figure itself out because last year was a whole mess of players starting one week, like a different player was starting every week and until like the last stretch of the season. And I think, and then of course, you know, Casey Thompson, cause he's the quarterback. So that's, that's gotta be intriguing, but those are some positions generally and names I'd throw in there. You think Casey Thompson eventually wins the starting job? Yeah. Yeah. I, I've, I guess I haven't really considered like the other possibilities, but I mean, I'm not saying it's a lock, but you know, um, I feel like he does. After what we saw in the spring, do you think like what, what percentage chance do you think we get into the season and there are multiple quarterbacks rotating or maybe even just two quarterbacks rotating? Like what percentage chance would you put it at? I want to say low. Um, Well, mm, Maybe like 20. I don't know. I, I feel like it's pretty low just because how it went in 2020. And I don't think they want to try that again. Um, if, if it happens, I guess like I wouldn't be too surprised, but it just it doesn't feel like it's going to happen again. I think if they're going to do it, the schedule kind of sets up in a way that would, would facilitate a rotation. Yeah. Yeah. Early on, at least through the first quarter of the season, because you play That's Northwestern, right. you play North Dakota, you play Georgia Southern. You can kind of try to figure out what you have at quarterback before you get to that Oklahoma game on September 17th. Um, if they're going to do it, but that's interesting that that it's not, you know, a, a, a non-Casey Thompson quarterback starter is not a scenario that you have that you have considered. I don't I wouldn't I wouldn't think that you're alone in that. I would think that there's a lot of people that think that it's kind of just a a foregone conclusion that Casey Thompson is going to be the starter, but it's, it is interesting. And, you know, as I, I've looked at a couple other quarterback rooms around the country that have four scholarship quarterbacks in them. Um, I wonder what happens to that room. 
And I think I've talked about this on this podcast before, but I just, I wonder what happens to that room. I think it's going to be very interesting to see how they manage the first two, three weeks of the season, um, how they manage sort of the last couple of weeks of fall camp in terms of, you know, officially naming a starter, even if, you know, you know there might be a situation where we get into fall camp and even at the, the outset, there is a de facto starter. Right. He just hasn't been named. Yeah. Um, yeah. It'll be, I'll be, I'll be curious to see how, how this coaching staff handles it. What do you make of Mark Whipple, his addition for Scott Frost? We're just kind of going rapid fire here as I try to get, as I try to get your, your feel for this team going forward. I feel, I feel like it's a good hire, you know, um, he did well at Pitt and I think he can do well here. You know, the pieces, like the pieces have been in place um, for Nebraska talent wise for a little while now, for the most part. Um, but and I think he's got he's got the tools to succeed. He's got the experience to succeed. You know, whether it actually happens is just something that I, I can't believe until I see it, just based on precedent for the last four years in Nebraska. But it's it's possible. Yeah, yeah. I feel good about it. I'll say that. Mickey Joseph, as a Broyles Award finalist. What 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 are the odds it happens in the next three years? Um, decent. I mean, I, I wouldn't say the you know out of the odds you've given me so far, I'd say it's probably like one of the higher ones. Um, so. Has there ever been a position coach that won the Broyles Award, or does it usually go to coordinator? I think it usually goes to coordinators, but yeah, I feel like there might be a position coach. I think Bill Beatenbaugh won it at one point as an offensive line coach. Um. Man, there people just there's a lot of excitement about Mickey Joseph. Have you yeah. have you gotten to talk to him in person? I guess were you around in the spring? Little, have you talked yeah. to him in person? Like what what were your takeaways from just hearing him? He seems like a great guy, you know. It seems like he again is in a position to succeed. And I think like if the offense does pick up a lot, you know, especially in the passing game, he's gonna get a lot of credit and he probably should. So Okay. Let's switch over to the defensive side of the ball. Of the three levels, which which group are you most confident in? Secondary linebackers, defensive line. Um, that's hard. Um, I want to say, I don't know. It's kind of. I, I think I really like the linebackers, specifically uh, Luke Reimer, which is really good last season. Um, I really enjoyed watching him, so I might be. Um, most confident in that group, but the secondary definitely is right up there too because they were really strong last season. They lost a few guys, but they had the, again, they have the talent. You know, Travis Fisher has been good while he's been here, and that they, they could make a good argument for the strongest. Yeah, I mean, if you're betting on, if you're betting on depth, I mean, your Travis Fisher has to be has to be pretty high on your list just because right. of, of the way that he's sort of built this room up and the way that he's sort of facilitated development within that room. Um, so you didn't mention the defensive line. Is it yeah. concern over the defensive line or just there are question marks? Because there are a lot of question marks, but is it just right. you, you're in wait and see mode or is there concern? Yeah, wait and see mode. Um, I think, you know, we'll be fine probably at least. Um <laughs> I 
it, it's it's that's the biggest wild card i think where you just gotta wait and see um but and i just feel more confident right now in the other position groups that's fair when usc comes to the big 10 and nebraska gets to play usc for the first time is it gonna be weird are you going to be? Are you excited about this move, or do you think that this is just very, very strange for the Big Ten to add two Los Angeles teams? Kind of both. Um, it, it's it's strange, but it's like exciting because it's weird. It's exciting because it's weird. You know, weird stuff in college football is fun to watch. Um, I don't know if it's like the best thing, but I, it will be interesting to see how it goes and. It's going to be weird watching those types of games for the first time um, as a conference game, um, but we'll see. What was your initial reaction when you saw that that USC and UCLA are coming to the Big Ten? Like, what, yeah. what was your reaction? I, I was really surprised, and then I was like, "Doubt." I was like, "Is this really going to happen?" And then it moved very fast, and it's like, "Yep, this is happening." Um, so, yeah, it, it's crazy. Um, it was very, very strange news, very strange day, um, but it's it's fun. Are you a fan of the this kind of super conference notion, or do, do you do you do you wish that we would kind of just slow down? Because like as we move into this era where Fox and ESPN are sort of dominating, kind of what happens from a conference realignment standpoint, we're getting two conferences. You know, right. the SEC has said that that they were you know through sources that they want to stick at 16 teams the big 10 is is reportedly just kind of sitting with what it has right now as it waits for notre dame um but there's a lot of speculation that these two leagues are going to get to 20 teams and if they get to 20 teams each i mean that's you know what 60 percent of you know former power five programs added in there um there's going to be sort of a, a consolidation of power at the top of at the top of the sport and with ncaa reorganization lately an expanded college football playoff like we're trending toward a, a, an environment where if you're in the big 10 and you're in the sec you have a chance to play for the college football playoff and if you're not you don't right do you think that that's good for college football probably not you know it feels like we're going that way um i don't know how long it'll be come pretty quickly come could take a little bit longer um, but you know, I generally, I, I think I'm less passionate about it than other people. I'm more like, okay, you know, this is happening and we're, we're going that direction. But, you know, I, I really liked what it's been for the last few seasons with, you know, all power five conferences for the most part having a shot. Um, and I, it's less interesting to me if it's just two super conferences, but we'll have to get used to it. Yeah, you know, we're getting the professionalization of college football. We're getting the the AFC and the NFC. That's what we're getting. Right. Maybe it's the um, instead of American and national, maybe it's the Atlantic and Pacific. Maybe the right. North Football League. And I don't know how how do you get how do you get South to fit into the AFC acronym? Can you? Is there is there a way, or would it just be the SFC, NFC, and the SFC? Yeah, it might have to be <laughs> SFC. Yeah, we're getting there. It's, I mean, it's it's coming. It's coming. Yeah. Um, Nick Saban did an interview earlier this week where he said it feels like super conferences are, are here to stay. And, you know, like as you kind of look at this play out, like if the Big Ten adds Notre Dame and then 
comes back and you know maybe adds a Big Twelve school or two, or adds, um, I don't know, Duke and North Carolina from the ACC if those teams can find a way out of their grant of rights agreement, or maybe it adds Oregon and Washington. Um, you know, I, the SEC has to do something because I don't think. You know, that's a, that's a strong league, but I don't think you want to be sitting at 16 if the Big Ten is going to 20. Because mm-hmm. then you're, you know, maybe they do. Maybe maybe they don't care. I don't know. Maybe they don't care. The SEC is is a ridiculous league, and it also doesn't have right. a Rutgers or a Illinois or Indiana. Like, yeah, Vanderbilt's in there, and Vanderbilt sucks. But like, you could take, you know, you could take the number three team in the SEC, one of the divisions, and put it in the Big Ten, and it would probably finish number three in the big 10, you can take the number three team in the big 10, which I guess in the West would be, would it be Minnesota, Minnesota or Purdue, put them in the sec. It's not going to go well. Right. It's not going to go well. Delve into the shadows of the mind with sleeping dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy award winner, Russell Crowe now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard, BMW, the ultimate driving machine. One other thing that I wanted to talk to you about, 247 Sports came out with its blue chip ratio this week, which is a is a thing that Bud Elliott has done at 247 Sports for like 10 years now, I want to say, um, at least a decade, where it looks at the percentage of four and five star players that you have signed in the last four classes. It doesn't look at walk-ons. Transfers are not included as he tries to figure out sort of how to how to work transfers into the equation. So it's just signees. And if that guy signs an LOI and then, you know, doesn't academically qualify and ends up at the JUCO ranks or something, he still counts because it was signed. Right. So the top 15 teams in this blue chip ratio from Bud Elliott and 247 published this on Wednesday are the teams that, that he deems talented enough to compete for a national title. Now, some of the bottom teams on this list, Auburn, Miami, Penn state, Michigan, Oregon, those are the bottom five. None of those teams are winning a national title. Yeah. The top of the list though is very, very interesting because the top of the list is the usual suspects. I don't think you've seen this, so I want I want you to guess the top three teams. You don't have to guess the order, but just guess the top three teams on the list. Alabama, Georgia, and Clemson, or Ohio State. Bingo. There you go. Yep. Ohio, Alabama is at 89%. Yeah. 89% of signees in the last four years. So we're talking about at least 100 players. 
89% of them have been four or five star players. Ohio State is at 80%. Mm-hmm. Georgia is at 77%. After those three teams, there's a bit of a drop off. Oklahoma's fourth with 71%. Texas AM is fifth with 70%. Oklahoma's not winning a national championship. Right. Apologies to the Sooners fans. Oklahoma's not winning a national championship in a first year under Brent Venables, especially not with. I'm not going to say that people are going to get mad. Oklahoma's not winning a national championship. The top three teams, one of these three teams is winning a national championship in 22. Um, like, he has historical data for each of the last 11 national champions. Alabama in one, two, three, four, five, five years on this list has never had a blue chip ratio below 71%. Mm-hmm. Ohio State, when it won the title in 2014, was at 68%. Georgia, when it won the title last year, was at 80%. Just as we are seeing a consolidation of power in conferences, we're also seeing a consolidation of recruiting talent with teams. And I have, I think I said on this podcast like a year ago, a year or two ago, when NIL activity started ramping up, this has the potential to be a playing field leveler or go the complete opposite direction and just further widen the gap between the haves and the have nots. And if there aren't going to be guardrails, maybe I didn't say this, maybe I'm just giving myself too much credit, but you know, it, it feels like it would be common knowledge. If there aren't guardrails, then it can surely further the gap between the haves and the have nots. And I, NIL has helped Nebraska. Yeah, I think NIL will continue to help Nebraska, and we we're we seeing it. We've seen it help other sort of teams that were excellent in the pre Saban era that have sort of fallen off. We've seen it help those teams sort of try to recapture old form, and I'm specifically thinking of Miami, who, by the way, lands on this list at 55. percent um, At the same time. For a, a team to have a roster that's 89% four- and five-star players, I don't think that's good for the sport. Do you agree yeah. or disagree? I agree. You know, I think um, NIL and all that has been, you know, a net positive maybe by far um, just because providing the athletes with the opp- opportunity to make money off their name, image, and likeness. But at the same time, like, for competition sakes, it has, you know, kind of widened that gap in some ways. And a team with 89% blue chips is, that's, that's pretty crazy because that 90%, nine, nine out of 10 players, you know, that that's a lot. Um, so, yeah, I, it's, that's not great. And when you look at that, you can, like, you can confidently assume without diving into their numbers that the 11% of players that were not blue chips Are were still. either really close to it, really close to that four-star cutoff, or they were the type of guys that are like unranked coming out of high school that, you know, the team that actually looks at them is like, why is this person unranked? And then signs them or like, why are they a two-star? And then signs them and that player goes to the NFL. Like it's, it's one of those two guys. So like, the the remaining it's not like the remaining 11 percent of the roster is like players that that would go play for wyoming like the would be when wyoming's too deep right yeah um and so you know i want to read you this quote from nick saban 
who went on the Always College Football Podcast with Greg McElroy, ESPN, earlier this week. And he was talking about um, just like all of the change in college football. So here's the quote. My biggest concern is competitive balance. The NFL, which I was involved in for eight years, every rule they have is to create competitive balance. And if they could have every team go eight and eight, so at the end of the season, every team was playing their last game to get into the playoffs, they would be ecstatic. Because how much fan interest does that create? We don't have any guardrails on what we're doing right now. We have no restrictions on who can do what. Some people are going to be capable of doing certain things. Other people aren't going to be capable of. But the bottom line is we'll lose competitive balance, which everything we've always done in college football is to maintain competitive balance. Same scholarship. Everyone had to play by the same rules, whether it was recruiting or whatever. Right now, that's not how it is. Buddy, you have not been playing by the same rules as Nebraska. Like, we do not have competitive balance. And to hear Nick Saban say this this week, and then two days later, the blue chip ratio comes out, was perfect. It was absolutely perfect. And this has happened a handful of times with some of these coaches. Nick Saban, in this instance, thinking of Lincoln Riley talking about transfer portal reform. Yeah. How do you feel about these coaches that game the system that then come out and say we need to fix the system? Yeah, it's it's the funniest thing because, um, you know, every time you hear – a quote from a college football coach half the time it's like the most not self-aware thing ever um and this this is one of these um and everything you mentioned is you know kind of like that and it's like this is coming from you you know um the criticism might have some merit but like you you are the one doing this right um so yeah i mean i feel the same way you do it's just it's funny to hear that and for these things to come so close. They do not have Nebraska on here. Mm. I'm sure if you went and asked like Michael Brunts, Hey, what's Nebraska's percentage? You could probably get it, but they don't have Nebraska on here. And I'd be curious to see what Nebraska's percentage is because it's not like Scott Frost has necessarily struggled to recruit. I mean, right. I can't remember off the top of my head what the class ranked last year, but he's had he signed top twenty five classes, and there was talent on the roster, yeah, that remained whenever he got here. So I'd be curious to see what it is, but it is interesting to look at this list because you see Alabama at eighty nine percent as the top team in the country, Ohio State at eighty percent, Georgia at seventy seven percent, and then the drop off is incredible. From there's one hundred and thirty one FBS teams college football for the 22 season the number one team has an 89 percent blue chip rate the number 15 team has a 54 percent blue chip rate like that's jarring yeah like that and i'd be very curious to see what nebraska's percentage is so if somebody at home that's listening to this knows it off the top of their head tweet it angrily at me and tell me i'm dumb for not knowing it but I'd be, I'd be curious. I'd be curious to see what it is because I'd be curious to see how far away from this sort of you have the talent to compete for a national championship threshold Nebraska is. Yeah. How close um, would you How close would you think they are? Um, Just off the top of your head. I don't know because, you know, there's so much going in and out. Um, but – 
don't know. I feel like I'm either going to like overestimate or underestimate it. Um, you know, I don't know. Hold on. So Nebraska did not sign a top 25 class last year. They signed the 41st ranked class at 18. Right. They only had two, two, four stars. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be, this is going to be the key for guys right. like Mark Whipple, for guys like Mickey Joseph, for some of the, the newcoming, newcoming, incoming coaches, the newcomer coaches on the staff. My brain is all messed up today. Um, this is this is going to be the key. You have to turn some sort of negative narratives around you've got to flip some of that stuff yeah and you've got to take some of these players and develop them into all big 10 talent and nebraska is you know as we talk about the blue chip ratio and sort of the top of that like nebraska's not i don't nebraska's not close to that threshold yeah from a percentage standpoint i think what maybe 40% 40% like that's yeah. kind of what where my brain was thinking which might land them you know maybe middle of the pack in the country right um but if you're talking about you know where Nebraska's at now how close to is it how close is it to contending for a national title not close no and this season becomes you know, not becomes, it's already important, but this season is so important in answering the question of can Scott Frost be the guy that bridges that gap? Can Scott Frost be the coach that gets them closer? Can this coaching staff be the staff that gets them closer? Because I guess as you've looked at, you know, you said that you've, you've seen Adrian Martinez your entire college career. As you've looked at this team since Scott Frost inherited it, has it gone forward? Or has it gone backward? It's hard to say because, like, in some instances, it's gone forward. You know, like, again, all eight of their nine losses were by one score last year. But it's hard to say there's forward progress just based on the records. Um, I think, you know, there's the perfect opportunity for it. Like, let's say this next season goes to plan and maybe the next two after that, you know, that, that, that there's the opportunity for a lot of progress. The coaches are in place, you know, there's enough talent um, to where they can grow a lot. You know, we, we've seen that this has a potential to be a pretty good team in the big 10. I'm not saying they'll be at a national championship level within the next few years, if everything breaks right, but like they can, they can improve a lot, you know, it's so overall, I mean, they've, maybe stayed like stagnant from where they were before Ross. Um, but there, there's a lot of potential to advance and progress a lot. Sure. Yeah. I'll be very curious to, to see how it plays out. And, uh, and as we watch it play out, make sure that everybody that is listening to this at home is reading hillvarsity.com because hillvarsity.com will now feature Drake Keeler much more frequently on yeah. the website. So go to hillvarsity.com backslash subscribe. Use the code VARSITY in all caps to make sure that you are signed up for premium online content and the magazine. Get it done. Drake, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was it was good to talk to you. We'll have you on much more moving forward now that, uh, now that you're the full-time guy. Congrats once again. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me on. We'll be back next week with another one in the keep in... Again, can't talk. In the meantime... 
keep reading hillvarsity.com go follow drake on twitter drake what's your twitter handle uh just drake keeler go follow him on twitter it's a good follow also shouts to you guys for listening to this podcast every week shouts to cam for producing every week and we'll be back next week a huda media production